spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 95th annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory. Bullshit, my name is Cody. I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. Just kicking off the uh, Monday work week here. Uh, it's off to an interesting start, we'll say that. How about you? Uh, it was good. Uh, you know, I heard you guys got snow this past weekend. It was cloudy as hell today, and I gotta say, it may have actually flurried a little bit here in Phoenix Ooh. today. damn um so yeah the snow here i think it it had just worked out this way but like most of the year so far i hadn't been home to like shovel and stuff but Mm. uh since it was over the weekend it was the first time this year i had busted out the snowblower took care of that snow yeah that was uh that was fun (laughs) when i came in i had snow in my pockets and everything because sometimes the wind just takes a hold of that and just blows it right back at you yeah i uh so when i left work today 3 30 it was still a little bit drizzly outside but my windshield wipers had that little layer of slush on the on the blades and when i cleared my the all the water off of my window it kind of shot up with it and it was the first time i had seen that in maybe a decade so yikes okay well Mm -hmm. hopefully that's the only snow you'll be experiencing in uh in Arizona. That kind of suck if it started to snow in there. Yeah, it's I mean, to get a lot of snow out here would be a fucking miracle. It would be the sign of the fucking apocalypse. <laughs> of course during the Biden administration, that's yeah. when it would fucking happen. Barry Sotero's got his fucking DARPA wet weather machine up and running again. So the God, the the memes going around right now, the Antichrist memes. Um, I'm sure you saw the one with uh, Kamala Harris where someone's like quoting revelations. Just like, gee, what is, how do you even find that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they must have just known the Bible and found a picture of her like perfect. Well, it was the inauguration picture, wasn't it? Where she was wearing purple. Yeah. Right. It's like, and it, it vaguely fit Kamala Harris. It's like, dude, that's. It could that could have been like Michelle Obama was wearing purple and had like a necklace on, you know, could have been her, too. Uh, I think a lot of ladies wear purple and have a necklace uh, occasionally yeah. <laughs> big events. But the uh, the other one is I don't know if you've seen the update from Q. I guess Q finally spoke up and says, OK, what do you said? March 1st, March 1st is. I've heard that the military is going to storm into Congress, arrest everybody, and then Donald's going to take back the throne. Um, oh. Yeah, I, I guess he's, you know, just like any like any cult leader, you got to keep just pushing dates back. Yep, exactly. Just like the, the Millerites we talked about. Yeah. Well, it didn't happen this time, so fuck it. Push it back. Do they realize <laughs> that the military isn't some ragtag fucking rebel force that... 
I don't I don't understand. They, well, I think they just think that they're gonna see there's so much corruption that they're gonna have to remove them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it's a bunch of kids who play Call of Duty, and then they grow up to be, you know, well, you could I guess call them men because they're over the age of eighteen, but they're still living mostly in their parents' basements and stuff like that. But Call of Duty is their reference point for the military. So they think that they're just this badass force of rogues, but they're not, you know. They well, get a paycheck just like everybody else. I, before we get in the episode here, I wanted to ask you, I have I came to the revolution, revelation this weekend that I've been hearing a lot of stories from other people like they'll know uh, relatives or family members even, that get so caught up in, like, the QAnon and all of that shit or, like, the Trump cult. Like, they literally sever ties from their family because they're so deeply invested in believing. That. Like, have you heard that from people? I'm imagining that it would follow prior mental illness. I mean, definitely. I th- I don't know. I've just, I swear I've been hearing so many people talking about it. Like, 2020 has just exposed that. It just like they might have had those feelings inside, but then some for some reason they just let them burst out into this uh, into the atmosphere. I don't know. It's just so fucking weird. Yeah, I don't know. It it might be just the craziness of 2020 that finally just broke that open. But all the quarantines, the lockdowns, having to wear a mask, being told what to do. I mean, it might have just drove some people to the brink and they're sucking up all of this fucking Internet, you know, the social media, the fake news stories, the bubble that they live in. The news bubble might be because they they see like they're inside this news bubble. That's all they're getting. So that's their entire world. So a lot of them are sitting inside all day, probably like don't have a job, just (laughs) hanging out, getting, you know, just getting the stream of bullshit all day. And they think that's the world outside. So, uh, yeah, we, I don't know if you, I, I think I, I don't remember if I tagged you in it, but, uh, apparently dog, the bounty hunter says the end times are upon us now. So the prophet dog, the bounty hunter is now joining in the chaos. The spiritual advisor of all of us. Dog yeah. The bounty hunter. He uh, does pray before they pick up people. So you ever notice like these washed up celebrities are trying to like get on there I don't know if it's to, like, reclaim fame or something. I don't know what the hell they're doing. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, well, I mean, everyone loves the the spotlight. The people who want it the most are the people who had it for just a little bit. Like, think about it. We said Dog the Bounty Hunter. All the people who listen to this know who Dog the Bounty Hunter is. But they know that he's, like, lost his fame. So he's probably trying to, like, get it back, maybe. Could be. I don't know. I was a little skeptical of uh, Leah Remini at first. But mm. I think outside of I think well, I think she she might actually genuinely want to help people. At first, I thought she was just doing it to like get famous again, but I think she might actually be trying to take down the Scientologists. Yeah, and good honor too. Hell I mean, yeah, that's not a fight that most people would want to take on. And she's you know basically seems like she's kind of winning it, or at least she was winning it for a short period of time. So I bet the Scientologists are like sweeping their brow because it's like, man, people were focused on how crazy we were, and now we got this Trump cult, and they're like way worse, and they've forgotten about us now. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Most, that's, yeah, that's super fucking on point there. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, let's get in this bad boy here, Phil. All right. 
when it comes to competitive sports, when all the fans have invested so much of their time and emotions to their favorite teams or athletes, it's no surprise when the team they choose to root for seems to receive the raw end of the deal. They start to believe that some force has to be working against said team or athlete or organization. Because of that outcome, they start to develop wild conspiracy theories such as refs have it out for us, the league commissioners forcing some sort of outcome, Las Vegas has enough money to control the outcome, or things of that nature. But the real question is, could there be any validity to the fans' concerns, and have there been moments in sports that just don't seem to add up? Now, Phil, we actually have, <laughs> oddly enough, two references of this recently. Why don't you... Talk about yours first. All right. Well, so this past weekend, uh, out at the bars with some family and friends, and we happened to be walking by one of the bars. It was completely full. You know, you had to have a reservation to get into Dirk's Bentley Whiskey Row because they had the fight on between Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. But in uh, the 1960s fashion, we were outside of the windows watching. Hell so. Yeah. There was about 35 people that were actually surrounding these windows, like watching the fights on the multiple TVs. But it seemed like in everyone's mind, Conor McGregor was really, for that first round, beating, like really just beating him and almost playing with him. But then it turned out that Dustin Poirier's uh, legs were starting to, he was starting to kick out Conor McGregor's legs. And all, I don't know, it kind of also looked like Conor McGregor was fucking with him because he kept grabbing his legs and pretending like he was going to flip him on his ass. And then all of a sudden, this Dustin Poirier guy, who obviously not as famous as Conor McGregor, before the fight, he wouldn't even look at Conor McGregor. He was just looking at his corner man during the introductions. But he hit Conor McGregor in the face, stunned him, and then just unloaded. I think he knew it was his last gasp. Like, that's if I'm going to beat him, it's right now. And then he just one more hit right to Conor McGregor's face and just knocked him on his ass. And the ref called it right there. But I could see how people might be thinking that because so many people bet on Conor McGregor, that this may have been a rigged fight to make, you know, Conor McGregor say like, no, it was, he kicked me in the leg a couple of times and it, you know, took out my leg and then he got me. But right. I could see how people were thinking or how people would might, or how people might be thinking that this was a rigged fight. Right. I mean, yeah. It, see, but I think fighting in general is probably the most notorious for this. But I don't know. Connor, he's okay. Let's get this out of the way first. He's a grade A asshole in real life outside of the ring, obviously. But he, I don't know. I like, I think he just might be getting washed up and he's too big for his britches. Like you said before the show, he's he's rich now, so he doesn't. <laughs> I, nope. He's just in it for the money. He doesn't really like, care about anything else. That was the basis for Rocky Three. Was Rocky just had too much money? Like Rocky had to go back, you know, go back to the training in the back alleys, training on the beach, you know, no more like circus. He had to go fight. He had to go train for the fight that he was against. Mr. T. It, I was so, going to say, number three is where Mr. T pushes over <laughs> his trainer and kills him, right? Yeah, Clubber Lang yeah. Uh, pushes down <laughs> his Mickey, 
pushes down Mickey and Mickey has a heart attack and dies yeah. in that one. Yeah, yeah I, I remember because you were hanging out here when we watched like all of them. And I'm just like, yep. how the fuck did that kill him? But I guess it did. He was an old man. He had a bad heart as, you know, it's a story. Now, but the, yeah. the, uh, the other one is the NFC championship game. Uh, the Buccaneers versus the Green Bay Packers, obviously, that I'm sorry, the Buccaneers are just dominating that game most of the way. I, Tom Brady, I don't, I, I know people don't like him, but I, you, it's hard to argue he's not like literally the greatest quarterback ever. But, um, but yeah, the the end play is they hadn't been throwing a lot of flags, okay, which I yep. appreciate because they start to get a little annoying. But then the players start cheating a little, obviously. But the last play of the game essentially was the pass interference, which they hadn't been calling all game, and then people got up in arms about it. But the thing is, you can see, I don't know if you've seen the video, Phil, but the, <laughs> the Packers player, like, he's holding his shirt, and there's at least two yards gap in between them. And it's like you can see that from a mile away. Like, come on, dude. I actually watched it live last night. So, yeah, yeah. I did see it. And it, the funny thing is I only really started watching during the fourth quarter. So I didn't realize that there was a a time where they really weren't throwing flags. When I saw it on replay, I was like, well, that's obviously pass interference. That's He grabbed his shirt and was ripping him. He almost ripped his shirt. He almost ripped his jersey. Yeah. But, yeah, I think the big problem is, just throwing this out there, Green Bay Packers has a legion of fans all across the fucking world. Die hard since Brett Favre. Tampa Bay, all of their fans, pretty, like, fairly new. Yeah. Especially the bandwagon fans from this season. You weren't seeing a shit ton of Tampa Bay fans before Tom Brady showed up. So, Well, I was going to say, how many Alabama fans were there when they sucked? Oh, during the, like, early, mid-90s? Yeah, exactly. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) you start seeing them everywhere. Now you don't see it anymore because they're too good. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to love a team when you don't have to worry about them losing. It's just... I don't know. It's just just how it is. I don't know, but uh, but yeah, Clemson's about to get that mantle. Yeah, but exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. I I don't know. I I don't think it was rigged. I guess anytime Tom Brady's involved, they might think it's rigged. But uh, but yeah, he's going back to the Super Bowl. I'm gonna be cheering for him because seven Super Bowls and two and one with a different team in its first year would be amazing. Um, and, and go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say and. Any any fuckery involved at, with the Patriots was probably Bill Belichick. Also, he did it without Bill Belichick, so that kind of answers the question of <laughs> who's like, the... could he do it by himself? Could he yeah. go to a team that just a few years ago was the laughing stock? Like yeah. over Detroit, they were the laughing stock, and now here they are going to the fucking Super Bowl, facing down the mighty Patty Mahomes and his band of fucking, you know, yeah, really good fucking team. We just. I couldn't even think of a word to say, but just a fucking great team. So yeah, he's gonna Patty Mahomes is gonna be around for a while. Oh, also, what did I want? Oh, anybody out there, even if you're not a sports fan, I would recommend looking up. His name's Dan Campbell. He's the new coach for the Detroit Lions, right? His opening yeah. press conference, he said this cra- the craziest shit ever. Something about chewing people's kneecaps off and all this shit is so fucking hilarious. I, like, listen to it, like, four times. I'm dying laughing. I would recommend anybody listen to it. It's so fucking funny. 
But uh, I did listen to it. Yeah, he did. It it's so fucking funny. I don't know what the hell is going on in that man's head, but whatever. Uh, so should we get into this, Phil? Yeah. Yeah, let's go for it. Now, uh, like we've done before, this will probably be a continuation series um, that we'll pull up from time to time. So we basically have two major conspiracies that we're kind of diving in here. The first one we're going to get into is the Muhammad Ali Phantom Punch. Now, you mentioned, Phil, you are kind of familiar with this? Yes. Okay, well, we'll get into all the details, and then obviously that'll be great because then we can get your input on it. On May 25th, 1965, legendary boxer and heavyweight champion Muhammad Ali faced off against Sonny Liston in Lewiston, Maine, but it is a match that is surrounded by controversy. One of the most important aspects of this fight was that it was the first fight that Cassius Clay had abandoned his old name and assumed his new Muslim name as Muhammad Ali. After only 1 minute and 44 seconds to the first round, Muhammad Ali knocked out Sonny Liston. But many, many claim this was a phantom punch and that Sonny Liston had been told to throw the fight. Now, upon watching the clip several times, it basically looks like, to me, Ali lands a counter jab that you can see Liston's head jar a little bit. But for a boxer of Liston's caliber, it seems almost unbelievable to me that such a minuscule punch in the grand scheme of things would have taken him down. Now, do you remember the, the video? What do you think? Um, it's been a minute since I've seen the video, but yes, I have seen over and over. Um, it didn't look like Muhammad Ali connected as well as uh, the punch that a punch that knocked would knock down Sonny Liston. He would have had to connect a lot better than that. It would have had to have yeah. more power behind it. That's the thing. It literally looks like just your everyday normal jab, and mm-hmm. then he goes down. And one of the biggest things as well that I don't think it's you don't you can't really see it in most of the highlight clips is that Sonny Liston did get back up after that, but the ref claims that he didn't make it within the ten count. But a lot of people claim if you watch it, he does get up before the ten count, which is again a little funny. And the ref was apparently a Hall of Fame ex boxer or something like that. So again, mm-hmm. that's a little weird. But we're gonna get into kind of. We're going to get into the full rivalry and kind of story between these two because there's kind of a lot of layers to it. And maybe it'll help us understand what what exactly would be the complete reason for him throwing the fight outside of just simply the financial implications. Because it seems like it's a lot more than just that. Now, are you familiar with kind of the first fight between them? Um, Not really. No, not as much. Okay, well, let me tell you about it, and then we'll talk about it here. The first fight between the two men happened on February 25th, 1964, and that was surrounded in controversy as well. It is speculated that during the fourth round of the first fight that the water that was used to wipe Ali's face between the rounds had been poisoned by some sort of substance because for the next two rounds after that, Ali would claim that he could only see the faint shadow of Sonny Liston and that his eyes were burning that entire time. So this, I don't know who or how or what they would put in there to blind him, but apparently 
somebody somewhere put something in that water. Any idea? Have you heard of this before? I don't know if Vladimir Putin would have been <laughs> active at that time, but he is the master of the sneaky poison. Was so uh, Ali talking? Was Ali talking shit about the Kremlin or what? No, I'm just saying. <laughs> Vladimir Putin, you know, he likes the poison. So, what would have Putin been in '64? Like six years old? He would have been pretty fucking young. Yeah. yeah. He's just a little, well, little rusky. He'll probably be active in the poison game. So. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he's practicing. Yep. Now, finally, in the sixth round, Ali's eyes cleared up and he devastated Sonny Liston, which caused a tactical knockout in the seventh round. At this point, they didn't know this at the, at the time, but later on, Liston's shoulder had been basically paralyzed at that point. And it was his corner who actually ended the fight, even though Liston didn't want them to. And apparently there's a big thing about him. After they did it, he spit his mouth guard out, like kind of in the middle of the ring at Ali. So mm. there's that. Now, there's kind of two things here. The Obviously, they're trying to get Ali to lose because Liston at the time was the world champ. And he was kind of like, he was the big shit back then. Like he was... A monster. He used to fuck people up from what I've read here. I was trying to look up his record, but he used to just mess people up. Do you know much about him? I do know that before Muhammad Ali, he was the cream of the crop pretty much for the fighting world. It wasn't so boxing's always been huge. I mean, it kind of came up like really along with radio. So and then like television obviously came along and people kind of started watching television towards this time, like the 50s and 60s. But yeah, there was it was still huge. But Sonny Liston was the biggest guy in the world for fighting at that time. Yeah. Now, you're probably wondering, maybe Ali was just uh, the superior fighter, which he honestly probably was in if we're being serious here. But one of the big things that gets talked about at this time, and I don't know if a lot of people are aware of this, is that there's a lot of controversy about these two fights, mostly because the boxing world is being controlled by either the mob or the Nation of Islam. Now, Sonny Liston is the mob's guy, and, yep. and Ali is the Nation of Islam's guy. So it's kind of a weird thing here i didn't really realize the nation of islam was like so deeply involved in boxing at this time and obviously you had uh malcolm x and all of that stuff going on um so i don't know if it's like a war of the oppositions here or whatever do you know what i mean yeah the big guy in the nation of islam at the time would have been elijah muhammad yeah and he would have if anyone's watched the ali movie he was pretty much in charge of, I don't know if it was directly or indirectly, but everything, when Muhammad Ali you know, changing his name, joining the Nation of Islam, all of that, turning in turning Muslim, Islam, basically it was Elijah Muhammad who was kind of really reaped all of the benefits, kind of got him to there, uh, really turned them like mainstream. When he When Muhammad Ali changed his name, it was a big deal. Oh so. yeah. Oh yeah. That was a, that was a big deal. And okay. I, am I wrong? I don't want to mess this up. I know you kind of covered Malcolm X. Um, Elijah Muhammad was kind of the reason Malcolm X got assassinated, correct? Uh, possibly. Yeah, allegedly. possibly. Okay. So it was 
the guys that they picked up for it were either former or current Nation of Islam members from a different uh, chapter, from, gotcha. a, from outside of where the assassination took place. They were from an outside chapter. But yeah, it was. it's highly believed that Elijah Muhammad ordered the hit. On yeah, that, yeah, that that's kind of what I heard. So now, as for Sonny Liston, it's pretty well documented that Sonny Liston used to intimidate and beat the shit out of people for St. Louis mob boss John Vitell. Then, mm-hmm. as he rose in fame, he was managed by Frank Blinky Palmero. Uh, who worked for the mobster Frankie Carbo. So from the sounds of it, before Sonny was like a legit boxer, he was, what do they call this guy? Like the tough guy or the the guy who beats up people? What do they call that guy? Um, The muscle. The muscle, the yeah. Enforcer, that kind of, you know, the mob enforcer kind of guy. The yeah. guy who goes around, the collector. He goes around and makes sure people pays their bills. Well, the if you think about it in the in the kind of conspiracy thing, let's just take if you're being backed by the mob, the mafia, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if they necessarily care about you as a fighter, but they certainly care about you for making them money. Now, if he was the largest boxer in the world and they kind of got him to like end the fight in the first fight, uh, you know, the first time these two fought, I'm sure they could have made a lot of money. Yes, and especially I imagine the first fight they put all of their money on Sonny Liston to win. And if he had the mob backing them up, then having some irritant put into the water for Muhammad Ali's eyes or Cassius Clay's eyes at that time. But for I could I could see them doing that, um, and I could also see Sonny Liston not wanting the towel to be thrown in because you don't want to lose the mob's money. That would right. be seen as it was his fault. He didn't win the fight. It was his fault that the mob lost their money. Oh, shit. You just brought up an excellent point that um, I want to talk about at the end here. I didn't even okay. think about that, actually. That could be a perfect reason why if he fucked up and lost all their money in the first fight, the second fight, he threw it purposely <laughs> so he could get them all that money back. That's exactly kind of, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know if you were going there, no. but that's kind of like what was in my head. I didn't, I didn't think about that. Holy no. shit. Did he do the switch? Did he? Yeah. That is brilliant, Phil. I didn't even think about that. Now, this is another interesting thing that some people lean on, like either has somebody had some involvement in it is because on the first fight, the odds for Ali winning were at five to one. But right before the fight began, a huge influx of money came in for Ali winning, which brought all of the odds down to a two to one, which is almost, I mean, it's still, it's not bad, but it's like not an underdog, obviously, you know, so somebody, somebody or some group of people invested a shit ton of money in Ali winning that first fight. Yes. Yeah, so that it kind of screws over the people who. So imagine you back then a thousand dollars would have been a shit ton of money. Yeah. But imagine if you bet a thousand dollars on Muhammad Ali winning. When you bought your ticket, it was five to one. But then when you cashed in, oh no, it's it's two to one. It's two to one. So instead of winning five grand, you only won two grand. So but, I'd be a little bit pissed off about that. Don't but, they? Don't they? Um, don't they have to I, uh, give you off what odds you bet at? I don't know if they honor 
the original okay. ticket or not. So, I mean, if you, I mean, imagine if you would have bet on Ollie winning, like before it turned to two to one, that would be fucking crazy. And then all the people who bet afterwards were getting two to one. So, well, that's what I mean. That's why I was almost like, what if they were five to one odds? The mob have control. Um, they told everybody bet on Ali, and then that out, and then it brought all the wages down for everybody else. And then obviously he won. They got all if they honored the original bet. I don't really know that much about sports betting, especially not in the '60s. Um, so I don't know. That's an interesting thing. It was very. They brought it up as a very poignant thing um, when kind of looking at the first fight between the two. So I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of weird. I, I think that if you win and it happens to be the mob's money that you win and you were supposed to get five grand, but they say, well, the odds changed. Here's two grand. You say thank you for the two grand and you walk the fuck away. <laughs> like, you don't. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I'd be like, oh, OK, thanks. Bye. And then just walk the fuck out. Well, here's the other thing. If the mob wasn't involved, the Nation of Islam could have been involved with that as well. So, you know, I, I don't know. It seemed like the two of them were kind of opposing each other and trying to rig fights to make money. Um, mm. That's kind of what I was getting out of reading a lot of this. I don't know if there's any truth to that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's something, I don't know, there's something funny about that. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really think about that. It could have also been the Nation of Islam. I don't know if the Nation of Islam was really like the mob was big into like running numbers, you know, bets on fights, that kind of stuff, bets on sports, sports betting. I don't know if the Nation of Islam was really like into that racket or what. But I, yeah, I could see them going against the mob and having a bunch of people bet on Ali. So, well, it, I mean, I, w I don't know. It kind of sounded like the Nation of Islam had like their group of fighters and then the mob mm. had like their group of fighters. So like they kind of mani manipulated it for their fighters. And I think when these two were fighting, it might have kind of I don't know some I don't know. Maybe they teamed up and agreed on something. I don't really know. That's kind of weird. Um, I, go ahead. I was going to say, I don't know if you're going to mention it, but. Was Sonny Liston, he was at least past his prime. Like you could safely say he was past his prime at that right that at that time, right? I I mean, are you past your prime if you're the heavyweight champion? Well Maybe. no, I mean he was still the heavyweight champion, but he was he was a bit older. Like he wasn't in his he wasn't in his prime any yeah. longer. Like you can still be champion and not be in your prime. I mean that yeah. that's very it's very possible. I don't really know. I mean, they the two fights took place within a year of each other. So, I mean, he couldn't have aged that much. Um, yeah. Oh, no. I mean, during the even the first fight and the yeah. second fight. Yeah. I, I have heard that Sonny Liston was past his prime and Muhammad Ali was up and comer. That's kind of yeah. why it was such a great fight because you were seeing like the last of Sonny Liston fight like the first of Muhammad Ali when he was. You right. Know, getting really big so it's very possible i should have looked up his age i don't know but yeah i would assume he probably was because i mean ali was really young at this time mm. so anyway now as far as far as the second fight there's a few suspicious things with this as well um the first was that they seem to have just moved the venue uh allegedly okay allegedly 
New York, mm. Philadelphia, Boston, all the big venues didn't want to host it because they were afraid of the Nation of Islam. Now, I don't know if that could be for racist reasons or from some other reason. I don't know, but none of them would take it. So they moved the match to St. Dominique Hall in the middle of nowhere, uh, Lewiston, Maine, which is kind of weird. Now, only now the venue only allowed for 2,434 ticket holders to attend, leaving a lot of seats open and making it a record for low attendance at a heavyweight title fight. So this is suspicious, and most of the money that was being bet on the match could only be watched from closed-circuit transmissions, apparently that were being broadcast at theaters around America. So Yeah, that's that's how they kind of used to, or starting, really before pay-per-view, and before, like, there was TV, but they didn't have pay-per-view. So the way to get someone to buy a ticket or pay money to see something on a television was to have it in a theater. Like, the first WrestleMania was closed-circuit that you had to go pay to watch WrestleMania at a theater. And that was in the 80s. Now, if you think of it from the aspect of if they moved it to the middle of nowhere and there wasn't that many people there and it was on, I'm assuming, terrible quality television, mm-hmm. um, that any sort of shenanigans that they had going on, they could more easily get away with it. Nobody would know the difference. Yes, you know, definitely. And you only have 2,400 people there. Imagine if you had a fight that the fans in attendance thought that it was a rigged fight. Instead of tw- instead of 2,400, imagine if you had 24,000. Disappointed, angry, that turns into a mob. You I know? mean, Especially think- in an angry city like Boston, where everyone's just pissed off yeah, in general. Just drunk Irish people everywhere. Now, here's the other thing. I mean, of those 2,400, who knows how many of them could have been involved in it you know yep. i you don't really even know now papered yeah <laughs> now like we kind of mentioned um some believe that sonny liston was either afraid of the mob or the mob had threatened him some way into intimidating him into throwing the fight kind of like we speculated or i guess you speculated and i agreed with here um this is an interesting quote before the fight he said, don't blink or you'll, or you'll miss the KO. Seems a little, I, I mean, I guess I could just mean him maybe, um, but it seems a little ominous him saying that right before the fight. So I don't know. There's kind of that too. What do you, what are you feeling so far? I mean, okay. So this was at the, the second fight, correct? Yeah, the second fight. Yep. So Muhammad Ali, obviously not only a notorious boxer, notorious shit talker probably Mm. hall of fame shit talker and even conor mcgregor like fucking bends at the waist to you know muhammad ali's shit talking one of the best to ever do it so i'm guessing sonny liston was trying to up his shit talking game before that fight just to kind of like battle back you know it's right okay okay so to maybe um not make himself seem intimidated or whatever Yeah, and to kind of get maybe some of the headlines away from Muhammad Ali's great fucking insults that he had before the fights, maybe to get himself on the radio, you know, talking shit, saying, don't blink or you'll miss it, you know, miss the KO. So, you know, like making it sound like he's up for the fight 
Like it's not just Muhammad Ali talking all this shit and then he'll settle it in the ring. Like kind of doing a little beforehand. So it also helps sell the fight when the fighters talk shit, especially back then. Now, okay, now here's another reason. If if Liston was afraid of the mob, that's one aspect. Now the other one was that Malcolm X had just been assassinated three months prior to the fight. Mm. And it is documented that there obviously was Muhammad Ali's kind of uh, group of Nation of Islam members. Some think that their group needed this win. They needed their guy to win this fight. So some think Sonny Liston might have been intimidated or threatened by Ali's posse that was in the crowd saying, you better lose this or whatever, you know, we're going to get you because they've, after Malcolm X was assassinated, I mean, that was a big blow and uh, something that because of that, they might have forced their way into having Ali win or at least having Sonny Liston throw the fight. What do you think about that one? Yeah. At the time of Malcolm X's assassination, it was pretty, they were vocally at odds with each other, Nation of Islam and Malcolm X. And it was well known, like when Malcolm X died, that it could have possibly been the Nation of Islam that killed him. So yeah. it was, I mean, the method that happened, the like we, we talked about it in the previous episode of coming into that packed hall where, Mah- where Malcolm X was giving a speech and like using small arms, shotguns and pistols to kill him in front of everybody. So that's not quite the... That was during the time of the assassinations, the basically, you know, using a rifle to take someone out when there wasn't a lot of people, witnesses around. This was a very public. This was an execution in public. Yeah, yeah, so. that's very true. Um, yeah, I watched the documentary about him, uh, the Malcolm X one. Pretty good. Uh, it seems like I've. I mean, do you remember that one? I can't, I think they were kind of leaning on the fact that it was just one shooter, but they had like four of them that got arrested. It's kind of like seemed like the purpose of the whole thing. Yeah. So it was the four that got arrested were the gunmen. I think some of them claimed that they were running after the guy who had shot Malcolm X, but I'm not exactly sure. I do know that a lot of the people in attendance were claiming that there were more than one man. Um, I left, I would have to watch it again though, just to get the full like breath of it. Yeah. But I was also going to ask really quick before we kind of move along. There was also, I think Sonny Liston had told some people that he might've been like under the weather for that fight or feeling sick. I'm not sure if that was just his excuse for why he lost the fight. But I think he might have actually went to the hospital after that fight. Did I, you hear anything about I that? Di- I didn't see anything like that. Um, are you sure that couldn't have been from the first fight? It might have been from the first fight, but I thought it was the phantom punch fight. Could so. be. I didn't see anything like that. Like, literally the last kind of conspiracy they have for this is that 1965 was a bad year for America. They had a lot mm. of bad shit that happened. So they're kind of like, America needed Ali to win because he was kind of an American. I Somebody people looked on in America and they're like, we need somebody to take the eyes off of the bad parts of America that has transpired so far. Have you heard ever it's, heard that one? It is funny how much that would turn in the next few years after this about how 
Muhammad Ali, you know, Cassius Clay turns into Muhammad Ali. And then he kind of gets like the public starts seeing him in a different way. I mean, he becomes the odd thing is when he fights um, Joe Frazier, all of the black people, like all, all of the African-American fans at the time think that Muhammad Ali is their guy and that Joe Frazier is like the white people's guy that he's he's the caucasians champion when it actually it turned out like if you really look into it it was completely different it was joe frazier was you know hard working all of this like everyday man and muhammad ali was the opposite so it is kind of odd how like the worm really turned on like the public perception well it sounds like after a while um muhammad ali didn't kind of lost favor with a lot of the U.S. because of his stance on anti-Vietnam um, draft dodging. Yeah. Yeah. Well, was that it? I I read a lot of he just like did stuff to oppose the war in Vietnam, which obviously you know we know now was Vietnam was terrible. Yeah. One of them was going like when he showed up for his draft. So when your number was called, you had to go and show up and he basically refused to be enlisted in the military he could have had the sweetheart deal that celebrities got where basically you just kind of went around and you didn't really have to go fight you just you know he would have done like a bunch of boxing matches and kind of been at the base maybe in like japan or something like that he wouldn't have had to exactly go into vietnam and fight but he didn't even want to do that. He just didn't want anything to do with Vietnam War and that I, kind of stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, I can't say I blame him, to be honest with yeah. you. Exactly. I mean, it was even in the it was during the early part of the war still. And he's yeah, was against it. So which obvious for obvious reasons, we all know now how fucked up that war was. And, yeah. Okay. Um, before we move on to the next one here, Phil, I want to know your opinion. Do you believe just the second fight, the Phantom Punch fight, do you think there was some shenanigans or was it just that lucky hit, just hit him just right and knocked him out? I think that there definitely could have been some shenanigans. It's odd, It's very odd to move a fight, not only to a town like Lewiston, Maine, but to Maine in general. Like, there's just not a lot of people living in Maine and I. It's it's just such a weird... It's not even outside of New York City or Philadelphia or Boston or even a godforsaken hellhole like Pittsburgh. <laughs> Lewiston, Maine. Like Jesus. Like you might have well you might as well have had it at the VFW in well, fucking Cresco, Iowa. There you know there was a one writer through an article I was reading, he's like, Oh, Lewiston, Maine has a rich history of boxing. People don't know that. I'm like and he started listing people who fought there and I'm like I think they're all from like the thirties. I'm like, what, what does this have to do with anything? They're all from the thirties and they're all from Lewiston, Maine. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Much. I'm just like, uh, this was, I mean, I'm assuming at the time, this was like the fucking fight of the year. Oh God. Yeah. It was the rematch. I mean, Sonny Liston was the champ of the past. Muhammad Ali is the champ of the future and they're meeting like they're intersecting once again. And it's in Lewiston fucking Maine on closed circuit television. I mean, I imagine you could probably listen to it on the radio, but you couldn't see it. If there was a phantom punch, you wouldn't be able to see it if you were listening to it on the radio. So, I mean, and obviously if it's rigged, then the 
commentators are going to play it up. They're going to sell the fuck out of that punch. They're not going to say, oh, that didn't look like a very hard-hitting punch. I wonder why it took him off his feet. They're going to sell the fuck out of it, just well, like pro wrestling. Well, the uh, the ironic thing is I didn't hear the audio of the refs or anything. I just watched the video. But the ironic thing is, is that the phantom punch, literally the most famous, one of the most famous pitchers of Muhammad Ali came after he did the phantom punch. The one where he has his mitt over his like heart and he's like yelling at the guy on the ground. That's yeah. that's him after the phantom punch. And that's like the picture everybody has everywhere. Is it like I, I, I've seen the picture obviously. Is it alleged kind of that he's yelling at Sonny Liston for for taking a dive? No, I'm just saying that okay. it's one of the most famous I think they actually said it was like literally the most iconic picture in boxing ever. And it's came from a fight that might've been rigged. Yeah. Um, I do know there is quite a few like famous Muhammad Ali ones. The one where Muhammad Ali tripped and landed on his ass. And that one dude is like standing over him. I think it's maybe the guy who was the inspiration for Rocky, Rocky, the Rocky movies. Oh, um, they okay. made a they made a movie about him a couple years ago. Um, he he supposedly got a knockdown on Muhammad Ali, but Muhammad Ali says he tripped. So one of those <laughs> yeah, wasn't that guy just a tomato can? Um, he was like somewhere in between tomato can and like legit fighter. Oh, really? He was. He was. I mean, back then there were so many fucking fighters that you know there were a lot of tomato cans. There were you know. There were a few people who were super famous, just like now. But there was a ton of people stuck in the middle, and I think that's where this that dude was. So, um, Phil, look at the picture I just sent you. Oh yeah, yeah, I definitely recognize this picture. You you will see this in every single uh, dude's dorm room who thinks that he's <laughs> a badass motherfucker in college, especially a frat house. I believe I may have seen this in probably at least five dorm rooms back when I was in college back during uh, when I was 2005 or six. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Everybody. uh, If you want to look, just literally type in Muhammad Ali famous picture. First one that pulls up. So yeah, it's very famous and I'm guessing a lot of people don't even realize the mystery surrounding that boxing match. Yeah. One thing I also noticed too, is if you look at the crowd behind Muhammad Ali, there's, some people sitting in the front rows, maybe five deep. And then it's just, it's almost like a high school auditorium size bleacher. There's only maybe 20 to 25 rows of people until you see the back wall. So yeah, yeah there's not many people at this fucking, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, a beer hall, National Guard it, Armory, kind yeah, of that I, deal. What is it with boxing and National Guard Armories? Yeah, I don't know. That was pro wrestling, too. Every single National Guard armory would have an untelevised pro wrestling, but, you know, the uh, non-television dark matches, kind of like the local TV. All right, Phil. Well, I think we've talked about that one long enough. Let's uh, let's move on to the second conspiracy involving sports here. Now, I need to put a thank you out to Bianca because, honestly, she's kind of the driving force behind the idea of this because she vividly remembers the 1990 World Cup, I guess it'd be quarterfinals uh, match 
Do you are you familiar with this at all? No, I'm not. But I was gonna say we were actually gonna mention this at some point in the show. But a good segue. Uh, congratulations to Creep It Real, to Bianca and Ashley for. I just saw on Instagram today, obviously I live in Phoenix, so I don't ever talk to them. I don't live out there where you guys live, but yeah, they got a a great get for their next episode. Uh, The guy who did the Hellier show. Yeah. Connor. Uh, He's one of the, one of the researchers, I guess, on the, uh, the TV show, the Amazon prime show. Hellier. Very cool. Very cool. Apparently feels like uh, Feels like the group's coming up in the world. So, <laughs> apparently, he was a very nice gentleman. So, shout out to Connor. Yeah, definitely look out for that episode of Creep It Real. Hell yeah! All right, well, let's move on to the 1990 World Cup. The 1990 World Cup is surrounded in controversy with an event known as the Holy Water Scandal, which involves a match between fierce rivals Brazil and Argentina. Both countries have had controversial soccer matches dating all the way back to 1925, most of which involve some sort of physical altercation between the members of both squads, but none are as well known as what happened in the 1990 World Cup. Now, obviously, there we wouldn't really know it as Americans, but apparently Brazil and Argentina do not like each other at all, and I don't know if it's just because they're close to each other or if it's because uh, of sporting events. I don't really know, but I I've became very accustomed to the countries not liking each other. Yeah, pretty much. I imagine it's maybe part of the whole Portuguese and Spanish, you know, maybe it's part of just the fact that any country that gets really big into soccer is going to have the soccer hooligans and the crazy fans and the rivalries. So I just kind of envision it's kind of like Minnesota and Wisconsin. Just just don't like each other. Just don't like each other. Yeah. For obvious reasons. Yeah. You know, (laughs) Wisconsin, it's Wisconsin. The Argentinian team uh, was the reigning World Cup champions. But in 1999, due to injuries and just not having the same swagger as the years previous, they were just not considered to be nearly as good. They had completed the shocking defeat of Cameroon in the first round and had a draw between Romania, but still would qualify them for the second round against the USSR, which they would win, but their best goaltender got injured and was replaced by an inexperienced fellow. But with the win, it would put them up against their fierce rivals, Brazil. Now, Brazil, on the other hand, had beaten Sweden 2-1, then Costa Rica 1-0, then Scotland 1-0 on their journey to play the former champs, Argentina. So I don't know what Brazil was like a monster team, but they had played a lot better than Argentina did in this World Cup from the looks of it. I mean, you know, you're winning by one goal, but it seemed like their goaltending was pretty good. Yeah, it depends on really with the World Cup where you get seated, in which group you get seated, who you have to go up against. So it looked like I I don't know how good I know USSR obviously um, I don't know 1990 might have been their last World Cup because I don't know how much further 1990 yeah it, it might have been USSR's last World Cup. Well, is uh, I assume Russia's in it now, right? Yeah, Russia, and then all of the former 
Warsaw packed, you know, they countries. all have their own soccer teams now. Yeah. But USSR was, you know, the big bad for sports for, you know, 40, 50 years, especially like hockey. They were also um, bodybuilding, weightlifting, you know, they were they were juicing their boys in every fucking sport. <laughs> so it was all the same steroids. But, you know, it was one of those deals where everyone else was using non-professionals for the Olympics, except Russia was paying their, you know, they were giving them a livelihood uh, and juicing them the fuck up with steroids. Who so. who won their last World Cup? It was France, right? I, Possibly. I, I do. I believe I, it was. I know that it was a it was a European country. I do know that it, the American women won the last Women's World Cup. Yeah, they. I remember when that was going on. Uh, USA destroyed uh, my countrymen, the Norwegian ladies. They, the Norse, uh, yeah, yeah, they <laughs> they took them out. I think it was France because I remember um, the pictures of them like all hopped up on crepes, fucking rioting in uh, Paris. Yeah, those I imagine those Norwegian women on that soccer team. The shortest one's probably six nine, so I yeah, they're all seven foot. Very tall, very tall Swedes or very tall Scandinavians, I should say. There's always yeah. two types of Norwegians: the short ones and the really tall ones. The, the stout ones and the lanky <clears throat> ones. Yeah. yeah, take a guess which one I got now. <laughs> <laughs> Now, even though Argentina could be considered the weaker team at this point, they did have soccer legend Diego Armando Maradona. Um, do you know him? No, I do not know who that person is. So I, I don't know that much about him. I know he's a shyster and an all-around not good guy, as we will find out. But uh, But yeah, apparently he won like, what was it? Soccer player of the century or something. Um, so, really? yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of controversy around that, too. Something about they had to take it away from him or I, something like that. I don't I don't know. Um, it you, just it was kind of a weird thing. You'd imagine it would have been Pele because around the time that they were voting would have been right after Pele was like his greatness. So. Well, that, the greatest soccer player in the world. That see Pele, right? Uh, I think it was something involving him too. I don't know if Maradona Maradona had played a lot longer, um, or Could've something. Been. I don't. I don't know. I don't think Pele's even on the team at this point yet. It depends on who voted. If it was the fans voting, or if it was like the sports writers voting, or you know, it could have been one of those deals where. It was rigged from the start, so. That could be. I'm not sure. Now, most of the match was a stalemate, but you could still tell inevitably that Brazil was going to find a way to squeak it out because in the first half, they had nearly scored uh, twice. The ball just hit the goalpost, okay? So eventually, that bad boy's probably going to get in. Sneak its way in. Yeah. Yeah. Argentina, on the other hand. Yeah, Argentina, on the other hand, wasn't didn't have any ball control at all. That's from what I was reading. It's in the second half when the controversy begins. Now, Brazil's left back named Bronco or Braco, one of the two. I couldn't even find this guy's last name. That's how, I don't know, I feel bad for him. He had one sole duty, and that was keeping Diego Maradona in check. And he was doing a phenomenal job at doing this. This is when perhaps Maradona figured, 
maybe he should take measures into his own hands. Now, this is the one thing I do love about sports sometimes is you have like this one no-name guy who just somehow manages to like shut down like a fucking all-star. I feel like this happened to Michael Jordan with somebody who like you'll never hear their name. Who was that guy? So really quick before we talk about that, Diego Armando Ardona, he was playing for them. He wasn't their coach. It kind of made it seem like it was he was their coach. No, no, sorry. No, yeah, he's their player. Ah, okay. That makes more sense for 1990. He was still, okay, yeah. So he was still playing at that time. I thought you meant that he was their secret weapon, like he was their, like their GM, like the no. person who team together that's why they okay gotcha all right no i think he he just been on their team for fucking ever yeah yeah and i think it was somebody on the god what was it the celtics or the pistons who the pistons would do team like dirty shit with the the bad boys they Mm. would do like they would beat the fuck out of him if he came in for a dunk. I know. <laughs> well, it reminds me, this is NFL. People probably won't remember or won't know what I'm talking about. But so the Saints have this cornerback, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, right? He He's okay. He's serviceable. Most of the time he gets roasted. But uh, for some reason, there's like when he plays Mike Evans, who's the Bucks going to the Super Bowl, like that yep. dude doesn't touch the ball at all. It's just like, I don't know what it is. It's just. That one player somehow is able to take down a superstar. I don't. It's just weird when that happens. And apparently, that's what Bronco or Branco or whatever his name is was doing in at this point. Yeah, I mean, really, there are some guys that just happen to have the superstars' numbers where they superstar themselves. But it just happens that when they go against this one guy or maybe a couple of superstars. Like, you'll never hear about them when they're just playing just normal guys. But when they happen to be playing against the superstars, they just fucking bring it that day. Yeah. Um, Now, I don't know that much about soccer. Uh, I assume the left back is a defensive position. Yeah. I mean, I imagine. Well, there's defenders, midfielders, and then the guys who attack, the forwards. So, So, yeah, I'm not sure what his position is. All I know is his one role in the game was to keep him on to keep the other guy under check and he was uh he was doing great at it anyway there would be a pause in play when pedro Thorigo went down with an injury the argentine physician was tending to the player and the brazilian players decided to quench their thirst bronco asked for a bottle of water and this is when it is believed that maradona had forced the medical staff to poison the bottle of water with tranquilizers okay (laughs) this is some fucking wild shit yeah after drinking the water bronco would comment about feeling sluggish and tired and because of this he was unable to keep maradona in check and with merely 10 minutes left in the match, Maradona managed to break free of Broncos' contain, took the ball down the field, made a nice pass to Claudio Carnegia, and scored the game's only goal. The Argentinians would advance to the next round, which was the finals in which they would lose to West Germany 1-0. So West Germany was the champions that year, but... Fucking Krauts. <laughs> Again, uh, so 
what do you think so far? Do you think he he had the bottle of water poisoned? What do you think? I mean, it is you have this one guy who his main job is to contain their main guy for the entire match. I'm not exactly sure how long a soccer match goes on for, but with only 10 minutes left, it sounds like he was doing it for the entire fucking because they play most of those guys on a like the football teams. They play the entire fucking game running back and forth. So I'm guessing that finally Mardona figured out a way. But it is interesting. I wonder if anyone else on the team claimed to feel sluggish after taking the water. Now, um, I'm going to get, uh, we'll get to the bottom of that whole thing, but uh, but no, it was only him. Now, here's the weird thing. You can obviously probably look up on YouTube and watch this video. You can see him kind of staggering or whatever. Um, now, like when I was talking about with Bianca, she was under the assumption that the whole team had been poisoned, um, which that's not the case. It was only uh, Bronco or Branco, whatever it is. Uh, so... Now, obviously, this created a huge wave of controversy. Uh, Bronco was claiming that there was something fishy about that particular bottle of water, and he would even attempt to sue the Argentinian officials. Now, this is one of the rare occasions where the scandal is actually confirmed because 15 years later, Maradona confessed that Bronco's water had indeed been poisoned. Now, he did this on national TV 15 years later. Here's the other interesting thing. Uh, Argentine's coach at the time still claimed that he had no knowledge of this. Um, so he, I'll uh, bet. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he did. So when you have such a fierce rivalry, like I was reading back, even like uh, just some of their matches from like 1925, dude, there'd be like fucking broken limbs, people fighting. There was one where like the fans got on the field and started fighting with the players. It was just like, this is a heated ass rivalry, man. This is just, and then this happens, man, forget about it. There, the hatred can never be healed. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's a, um, I think it's called the greatest game, but it's a movie on Netflix, and it is pretty much the start of soccer players getting paid. And the move from in the, well, the Premier League anyway, the move from being just amateurs to getting paid. And it kind of shows some of the start of how wild soccer was becoming. And this was outside of England, though. So, and I know how much they really like especially in in poorer countries like for some of the people like kind of living in you know not very good conditions their local soccer teams their national soccer teams might be like really all they have to look forward to kind of like something they can really take pride in so i imagine if there's two countries brazil and argentina i don't know at the time if they were like doing well or not but for some of the people there it could really be maybe the only thing they have to look forward to. Yeah, I, I'll i tell you what. I don't remember if it's this year's the World Cup or if it's is it next year or two years. I don't remember. But uh, definitely if Argentina, Argentina and uh, Brazil play, that's a game to watch there. Um, but, yeah, what here's my conclusion to this thing and kind of, I guess, puts a cap on the whole sports conspiracy and the rigging things is when this – 
Mar don't openly admits to cheating, right? Um, yeah. All this does is like literally make people believe even further that there has to be some sort of external force involvement in whatever their team losing, their player losing. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's sad to say that this one incident, if this is true, like literally will make everybody believe that there has to be a reason for whatever outcome happens. Yeah, I mean, imagine if, what was it? There was, you talk about it all the time, the Vikings um, perfect season being ended by the Giants. And there was a controversy about stealing the radio signal that was coming to the quarterback's headphones. Is that what it was? Oh, no, you're thinking maybe the Patriots. Or was it the Patriots? Did the Patriots do that to the Vikings? No, no, there wasn't the Vikings at all. No, the Patriots are... So the only undefeated teams or almost undefeated teams were like the whatever team your brother never shut the hell up about the Dolphins. And yeah, um, yeah the 2007 Patriots made it all the way to the Super Bowl undefeated, then lost to the Giants. Yeah, possibly it was them then. I swore it was a Vikings team that was complaining that some of their like so, that the other team cheated in some way. But. Imagine 15 years later, after you think that you're like for 15 years, you're like, you know, I think that that 1990 Argentina team got screwed over. Then all of a sudden in 2005, you just all of a sudden see or the Brazil team got screwed over. Then all of a sudden in 2005, 15 years later, it's like live and in color on television. The dude who you think cheated openly admits to cheating. Imagine how pissed off you'd be and want to like riot at the next game in the next right. Argentina Brazil game. Yeah. Obviously they play. Okay. Let's see. It's 1990, 15 years after that would be 2005. Obviously they played quite a few. I don't know if they played each other, but they've obviously had quite a few world cups since then. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know the soccer man. Soccer has a lot of <laughs> funny business Take a while to guess what I would say the number two funny business uh, sports is outside of boxing. Ooh, the number two. I'm guessing it's not soccer because you would have no. obviously said. But I think it is basketball. No, it's NASCAR. Really? Yeah, there is a lot of <laughs> NASCAR stuff. I don't know if it's just with like the type of people that watch it but it's i don't know there's a lot of there's a lot of weird shit that go like just like the driver wins and it's just like it's like the perfect time for them to win like there's a lot of that yeah i know that there was a lot of controversy back during like the post shine days back when it was like the winston cup still there was a lot of controversy about some of the some of the races some of the uh let's just say like for stock car some of the cars weren't exactly coming in like at the right weight and that kind of stuff you know yeah and kind of like being allowed to still race even though maybe they cheated yeah well uh probably in the future we'll uh we'll we'll get into some of those. I think we're going to, I'm going to kind of pull back from this. Well, because I, you know, sports isn't for everybody, but I think weird things involving sports, everybody can get behind because Mm. I don't know. There's something fishy. Uh, 
the Ali thing, I think, is really, something's really weird about that, but, uh, but yeah, there's that. Anyway, Phil, we're gonna, we're gonna start closing out here, and we need to thank our newest patron, Joe. Thank you so much. I hope you're enjoying all of the off-the-record episodes. Um, if you want to join our Patreon, support the show, and let us know that you enjoy Phil and I, for $2 or more, you can listen to all the off-the-record episodes. Um, all you have to do is log on to patreon.com slash subliminaldeception. Take it right there. Join whatever tier you desire. Um, otherwise, if that doesn't work for you because Patreon is... The site's a little finicky, to say the least. Uh, you can go over to subliminaldeception.com, and there's a direct link. Just click that bad boy. It'll take you right to our Patreon page. Thank you so much to everybody who's joined. We appreciate it. We've seen a lot of people joining, so thank you guys so much. I hope you're enjoying the content, Phil and I. Uh, we're going to keep doing the off-the-record because him and I can talk about literally anything, anytime. So there's that. Uh, Phil, where can they contact us if they'd like to? Yeah, uh, if you liked what you guys heard, uh, go ahead, hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, past couple of months, we've gotten quite a few messages from people, so thank you for those. Also, you want to hit us up, you can do that on our Instagram, subliminaldeceptionpodcast on IG. A uh, lot of great you know, likes, comments, just a lot of love pouring in, so keep that up. Uh, love to see it, love to hear from you guys. Uh, if you want to get a hold of Cody and us, Personally, on our personal emails, mine is sdpodphil. Uh, great to hear from everybody. Cody, you got yours? Yeah, you can follow my personal Instagram at CodyZabub. And uh, sometimes I post things on my story, memes, whatever. The last thing we need you guys to do is to log on to iTunes, leave the show five-star review. doesn't really matter what you say. Uh, just type whatever. Just make sure it's five stars. If you're a Spotify user, all you got to do is hit that follow button and it'll boost us up the charts and help us get more exposed, bring in more conspiracy people. That's all we want. Well, I hope everybody had a good time with this episode and we will see you next week. Thanks, guys.